welcome to this Touch podcast activity, which has been recorded for Touch Oncology. This podcast aims to bring you expert insights from a multidisciplinary team on the use of immune checkpoint inhibitors in solid tumours. This activity is funded by an independent medical education grant from MSD. This activity is jointly provided by USF Health and Touch IME. In this podcast, a medical oncologist and a pathologist review the role of biomarkers in guiding immunotherapy use across tumour types. Hello, my name is Professor uh, Ken Kato uh, from National Cancer Center of Cell Tokyo. I'm a, a medical oncologist, especially for the GI cancer. So I am joined uh, today by Professor Albert uh, Stendinger, a pathologist at the University Hospital uh, Heidelberg in Heidelberg, Germany. In this section, uh, we will discuss the role of uh, biomarkers in informing the use of immune checkpoint inhibitors across two types. So we can see the some biomarkers for the immune checkpoint inhibitors and uh, uh, the uh, many of uh, the biomarkers uh, was reported uh, day by day. So I would like to uh, ask uh, Professor Sendinger, so what uh, the companion diagnosis are available to guide the treatment decisions uh, for patients with such tumors right now? Thank you. That's a great question. Um, yeah, so currently, if you look at the um, clinical landscape and uh, look at what has been approved over the last couple of years, you can probably separate, you know, two, two big um, uh, parts. One are pen cancer biomarkers like tumor mutation of burden, TMB uh, testing, and the other is uh, microsatellite instability. Um, both are genomic biomarkers where you are inferring or interrogating a specific, you know, genomic status of uh, the tumor cell. And um, that allows you to um, identify patients um, who might respond to a certain type of uh, treatment. Um, and the other you know, non-pan cancer biomarker is pd one immunohistochemistry. And uh, there we have different indications, different tumor types, um, where pd one immunohistochemistry um, can be used to predict response to uh, checkpoint blockade. Um, and um, importantly, you can probably separate uh, different scoring um, uh, approaches that have been introduced uh, by the approved trials. So the uh, the um, the tumor proportion score, for example, uh, then looking at you know tumor cell expression only, looking at immune cell expression only, and looking at the combined positive score. All of these uh, four different scores are being used in different indications for different tumor types, as I said before. And depending on thresholds from these clinical trials, um, patients are either eligible or non-eligible for checkpoint blockade. 
Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, so, uh, TV, uh, hi, and uh, MSI, and the uh, PD1 um, status is uh, used for the clinical practice right now. But the, uh, the professor has been mentioned, and there's more, many uh, threshold of the PDA1 status uh, percent, and the, uh, many of the procedures to make the PDA1 status. So one more question I have. So uh, there is a many um, the procedures. Uh, for example, the uh, TPS to more uh, proportion score and CPS, and then the uh, so many uh, antibody is exist. How uh, do you uh, do you use the biomarkers uh, in the clinical practice? Yeah, that's an that's another great uh, great point. Um, so. Um, you know, there are several um, uh, immunohistochemical chemical antibodies, as you are mentioning, um, which have been approved alongside the respective clinical trials. And that obviously expands the, um, the complexity because it's not only about uh, different scoring systems and different thresholds for different lines of therapy and, and different tumor types, but also different immunohistochemical antibodies currently uh, being used. And there are mainly two approaches to that. So um, there are institutions um, worldwide um, who really are using different uh, immunohistochemical antibodies for the various um, indications and others uh, decided to stick to one antibody. There are a lot of harmonization studies that have been conducted and are still being conducted trying to or aiming at comparing the the uh, the performance of the different immunohistochemical antibodies and um, so that uh, so uh, that can give you a hint or help you in in implementing uh, your immunohistochemical test in a clinical setting. Um, we usually provide all of the scores um, regardless of the tumor type uh, so that uh, the oncologist um, who is seeing the uh, report can decide based on clinical knowledge which of these scores might be appropriate in that specific indication but that uh, might vary again from uh, center to center. For microsatellite instability, we are uh, using uh, three tests. One is immunosochemistry, interrogating the four DNA mismatch repair proteins, um, as I said, by immunosochemistry. Um, the other um, is a PCR-based test where you're looking at certain uh, microsatellites and whether their length is being altered. Um, and the uh, third test that you can use, but uh, yeah, is next generation sequencing, a targeted sequencing approach where sufficient numbers of these microsatellites are covered and and that, uh, you know, similar to a PCR-based approach can allow uh, you to identify um, microsatellite um, yeah, instability high cases. 
um, of note, all of these tests need to be validated prior to its use, just as with just as with PD-1 immunohistochemistry, and obviously the same holds true for tumor mutation and burden TMB testing, where you also need to have a a validated test um, to to run in your lab. Uh, if uh, we we use the biomarker to the in clinical practice, uh, what kind of the the validation is needed? to another new biomarker. Thank you. Yeah, as as you are saying, there are many uh, biomarkers uh, being reported in the scientific literature almost every day, um, ranging from, you know, cytokines, cytokine networks, um, interleukins, um, tumor infiltrating lymphocytes, spatial distribution of specific um, uh, lymphocyte populations, um, even the microbiome um, has been reported uh, to be of use here. Um, importantly, all of these are really at a preclinical uh, stage, meaning that they have been investigated, for example, in retrospective registry-based studies or in model systems. Um, um, maybe sometimes um, analyzed uh, alongside clinical trials prospectively in, in a separate biomarker arm, but they are not um, approved for, um, for uh, clinics yet. And uh, I think the, the most important part is uh, that there is clinical utility, obviously, and that can only be shown by a prospective uh, clinical trial with a predefined outcome. Um, and um, it is also important that uh, such a biomarker is significantly better than the other ones that have been uh, discussed by us uh, before already um, to, to, to be a you know, meaningful complementary tool uh, to, to, to the other biomarkers. And um, I think one of the uh, most challenging points is, is probably the enormous complexity of the uh, tumor immune cell interaction or tumor immune system interaction with many different cell types uh, being involved, uh, the spatial distribution of these cells, um, the HLA haplotype that plays a role here, um, and probably we haven't understood biology um, sufficiently yet to to really come up with uh, some something that is you know adequately uh, covering the complexity of of, of this kind of uh, interaction. Um, and then you know, if it is very complex, you always have to think about how can you eventually translate that in a routine diagnostic test that has a broad diagnostic outreach, meaning that it can be used by many uh, institutions so that, you know, many patients are being tested. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So I'm uh, very interested in the microbiome, but it, uh, uh, it is very, very uh, difficult to uh, examine the, uh, uh, to, to correct the uh, fakers and the faker examination is uh, very uh, difficult to uh, adopt the clinical practice, uh, I think. So, uh, okay, so that, so some convenience and the clinical adaptation is uh, uh, very important, uh, I think. So, uh, thank you for the, your uh, information.
Okay, uh, so uh, it is time to close uh, this session. So thank you, uh, Professor Stinjinka, uh, for uh, the very helpful and informative talk uh, for us. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Touch podcast. You can access more content on this topic on Touch Oncology at www.touchoncology.com. Don't forget there are three other chapters in this series, so please listen in for further insights from the multidisciplinary team. Music